0: I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, outs, and nitty gritty, so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Malcolm McDonald, aka Dick Arms. (laughs) Who is Malcolm McDonald? He's a working class man with no front teeth. He's a father of two, and he has a good sense of humor. He's also the survivor of an extreme blood infection that was so dire... It caused his fingers and toes to go black and for his penis to fall off. But that's not where our story ends. That's where it just begins. You see, Malcolm is a guinea pig for a new experimental medical procedure where he's growing a new penis on his arm. (laughs) 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 This is so hard to get through (laughs) Act one, the nightmare scenario. The 2000s saw a massive uptick in quote unquote medical programming, not procedural fiction taking place in a hospital, literal televised surgery. Founded in 1999, the Discovery Health Channel was a cable channel spin-off of the obviously named Discovery Channel. The channel focused on what they branded as health and wellness oriented programming. However, the truth a little further down the Yellowbrook Road. In the beginning, Discovery Health Channel's programming was mostly exactly the previously mentioned medical and health themed reruns that aired over on other Discovery Communications owned channels, specifically the TLC. Quickly though, the channel began producing loads of reality TV, Babies, Special Delivery, Birthday, Plastic Surgery, Before and After, The Critical House, and Dr. G Medical Examiner. For the first decade of the new millennium, these reality shows showcased a bizarre mixture of medical oddities, graphic surgeries, and basically doctor porn. What? You're not familiar with doctor porn? No, they're basically the 21st century evolution of the old barkers, sideshows, and freak show acts. They basically consist of cameras filming surgeries or medical procedures for people who have unusual or extreme medical needs. And the unspoken benefit being, without the money from this show, this poor person would literally still weigh two tons. Wouldn't that be awful? It's how we salve the twinge of guilt for our holier-than-thou voyeurism that we live out while chomping down on popcorn and snickering at other people's lives that are concretely more out of control than our own.
1: I find it very... Fascinating that the increased production of content, you know, throughout the last couple decades, at you know, the expansion of television programming from the advent of cable TV, the 24 hour television cycle leading into the expansion of digital cable to where there's literally thousands of channels. And then finally, the expansion into streaming has served as this large playing field of experimentation. And in that expansion of the number of slots to fill for content leading up to literally infinite slots, you know, in the modern age of streaming television, it served as this grand experimentation in human affinity and discovering things that we're really interested in that nobody would have ever realized with the limited programming of the time before cable television, pre-cable television and pre- you know, 24-hour television cycles, making shows about surgeries is not something that anyone would have ever thought of. With the limited amount of screen time, the limited amount of channels, the limited amount of of slots, people went for the obvious things that you would think that people would be interested in. Narrative fiction, like TV shows, sitcoms, things that make us laugh, stories about human drama or characters having relationships and interacting. Like, that's the thing that you would think people would be entertained by. And that's what TV was. And then as it expanded, people started being like, okay, so we have that stuff and we have all this other time to fill. So what else do we got? And that's how we learned, that's how we discovered talk shows and people discovered like, oh yeah, people like people just sitting and talking to each other. Never would have thought that. And then we discovered. reality TV people want to just watch people's lives we discovered all these different types of things just by the sake of the medium expanding and there being more time to fill there was more opportunity to experiment people just tried out weird stuff and eventually we started to learn that people were more interested in this stuff than they were the other stuff holy shit like people just want to watch somebody get liposuction like I would have never fucking thought that in my in a million years If you gave me like one opportunity to make a TV show, it would have not been Liposuction, the show. And yet with that space for experimentation, people are fucking obsessed with this. Like, sure, they liked all those sitcoms or whatever, but they love this.
0: The Discovery Health channel made its bread and butter off of these shows, and they eventually filtered out into the broader culture, although slightly more sanitized. Next in the litany of let's punch down and pretend that we're helping people reality TV shows, were a wave of network programs like The Swan and other makeover shows of its ilk. They took people that were a mess or needed nose jobs and they ran them through the equivalent of the Please fit into our preconceived and socially reinforced notions of what traditionally approximate sexual viability and a traditional sense of beauty. These shows made a military industrial complex out of giving people elective surgeries, maintaining damaging and more often than not unattainable levels of beauty standards, and making Americans feel like they had their shit together more than these idiots. But the truth is, what we didn't want to admit is that we were just as bad, but it didn't matter. We liked feeling superior for 30 minutes every Thursday at 8 p.m. Was Malcolm McDonald someone who watched these shows? Someone who marveled at the medical freaks and felt better about himself? No, probably not. Malcolm McDonald's from Bedford, Norfolk, England. He's a guy with a twinkle in his eye even when things are decidedly dour. More importantly though, McDonald never anticipated being the type of person to be featured on one of these exploitative medical shows. He quite honestly probably wasn't even aware of the existence of these shows. He seems like the kind of guy that likes going to the pub, drinking with his buddies, and then probably spending some quality time with his two kids. He also low-key seems like the type of guy who would have committed assault once or twice at a soccer game. But that's just speculation. In 2014, when Malcolm was about 45 years old, he contracted a severe infection. Initially thinking it was nothing, McDonald went about his life. And then things took a turn. A dark turn. He noticed that his appendages were starting to become discolored. He went to the doctors, but things ballooned out of control rapidly. This infection spread and evolved into a case of sepsis, a blood infection. It spread to his extremities in a real way. His fingers and his toes turned black. And then, the nightmare scenario. It affected his genitalia. Real life body horror. This whole thing feels like a really low budget shitty David Cronenberg movie like yeah like it's a really really shitty David Cronenberg like this is like David Cronenberg in his like if, if David Cronenberg hadn't been nominated for an Oscar for um, a history of violence and kind of rebooted himself as like a prestige intellectual thriller director and just kept making the brood or crash over and over again like this guy is like
1: Crash meets Tetsuo the Iron Man, but just so not fun. Yeah. And just like really low key. Like instead of Tetsuo the Iron Man's slow devolving into being overtaken by this biomechanical virus and it spreading throughout your body and your body just deforming in all these gruesome, horrific ways and slowly coming to grips with the horror of it, he's just like, Oi, Gov, me dick fell off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And the funny thing is, it's it's like basically that. Like you're not even exaggerating it. Like this dude, this dude. We're gonna play interviews with him later, so I'm not gonna spoil it. But he's so working class, unshakable. Like I I shudder to think what would. I mean, it's obvious that this has affected him very deeply. But it's also that he's so tough in a very specific way. Like I don't
1: know what I would do if this. What would you do if this happened to you? How would this affect you? I mean, I don't, I don't know specifically what it would do to me, but I do know that much like I think is it affect, it would affect a lot of people and you kind of see examples of this, you know, a lot of times you see stuff like this happening with veterans who are injured overseas in Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever and they're caught in IED explosions and they do lose limbs and sometimes they have lost their penises and things it profoundly psychologically affects you 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 know it, it destroys your confidence it makes you depressed it makes life feel bleak i mean, and I, and I'm just you know speaking from Sort of watching documentaries about PTSD and some of the ways that these injuries affect people. And maybe it does him. I don't know. I mean, we're going to get into this. And like, as you say, he's very unshakable and seems at least on a surface level to kind of be taking it in stride. But I can only assume that if this happened to me it would be devastating. Yeah. It, not in that way of like, oh, my dick, I can't fuck anymore or whatever, but just the the idea, because, we, you know, pe- human beings literally have recurring nightmares about these types of things, about the psychological horror of something falling off of you. you, you know, the recurring dreams about teeth falling out and deformations on your nose and chunks of your skin fall out and things like that. And this is the reason why body horror is effective in the first place. This, this is deeply rooted fear in like your body becoming rotten and falling apart, which is just to take it to its logical extreme, it's a fear of aging and dying. You know, it's a it's a fear of decay. And that's the reason why we have those dreams. That's the reason why body horror is terrifying to us because we don't want to come to grips with the fact that we are decaying and getting old and falling apart and we will one day die. To have something like that expedited to where just like one day out of no... Because, you know, to a reasonable degree, we kind of have a little bit of control over it. We don't have control over... The final conclusion, which is why body horror is terrifying to us, because we we ultimately do not control it no matter what we do. It's going to happen, but you have a reasonable amount of control over it in the here and now in taking care of yourself, avoiding dangerous, hazardous situations. all we, we have some control over it. And the thing here is this idea of like, you can go your life and you can do all these things right and you can take care of your body. And then one day for literally no reason, your dick falls off. And like, that's horrifying, I think, would that'd probably be horrifying to most people.
0: Yeah, I mean, any body part I would be, it would be shocking to just wake up and have your hand fall off or your ear fall off or whatever Mm -hmm. but i also think that there is something very specific about men and their penises
1: (laughs) like yeah for sure for sure it
0: just it just it just is a thing You know you can call it toxic masculinity you can you know our culture revolves around these uh, images of kind of like phallic superiority and you know there's all marketing (laughs) is basically comes down to like look at this it's either look at this woman shape or look at this dick shape. Both of those things are just the two binaries of like 90% of advertising.
1: Yeah, and there's also just and there's also just the base sort of primordial programmed instinct that like we are designed to further the species and and replicate and that falling off it's a symbol of like oh you are no longer a useful member of this species.
0: It's so unthinkable too because it's it's not like oh i it's there's no causal link right there's no like you're talking about i wasn't a veteran who went to uh this war-torn place and i knew that i was going to be in danger and i hoped i could survive but circumstances led to this that and the other happening and that was the result like there is a there's a causal link where at least you have some arc for the decision where you understand i'm not that you accept it not that you're excited about it not that it's not equally as traumatizing But at least there's a link to something Mm -hmm. as opposed to just oh and now you get an infection which you just can't control like oh and then your blood gets infected which you can't control and then everything starts turning black and your dick falls off like that's just so unthinkably insane like it's so (laughs) scary Mm -hmm.
1: yeah.
2: Do do, do 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 demon humming song. Does anybody else get a little tired of that ad? I mean, it was pretty funny the first four times, but yeah. How about we kick this thing up a notch or two and do it Hillsmer's Pirate Radio Station style? <laughs> Dave's got a new Star Trek comic miniseries coming out from IDW called Seven's Reckoning. I don't know why you'd want to book with a bunch of drawings of people from a canceled TV show. But if you, for whatever reason, did, it drops on November 11th. But it's probably smarter to pre-order it because it lets the vendors know that there's demand. And if you want to pre-order it, you have to use the following code. scp 200 Yeah. Zero zero four five five. SCP two zero zero
1: four five five. SCP two
2: (laughs) zero (laughs) zero four five five. Hail, Space Satan.
0: Act two. Hey, bro, your dick is falling off. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) No, insensitive. Insensitive. Should I change that?
1: I wasn't laughing because it's insensitive. Maybe it is. I don't know. But I'm just laughing at the absurdity of this whole thing. It's. It almost seems like, uh, like this is a real story, and it's also interesting in the ways that we're talking about it. But at the same time, this seems like a made-up satire episode of Deep Cuts. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. (laughs) Yeah. Like if we like put this out on April Fool's Day or whatever thing people tend to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Low-key
1: soccer hooligan and world's greatest dad mug owner Malcolm
0: McDonald's penis fell off due to a bodily infection. You're probably screaming to yourself, I didn't even know infections could get that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither, but they do. And
1: specifically, Malcolm's did. When
0: I saw my
1: penis go black, I was beside myself.
0: <laughs> literally. Literally.
1: <laughs> literally. I knew deep down it was gone and I was going to lose it. Then one day, it just dropped off on the floor. That's right. It fell off on the floor. I wanted to know about that. What does that mean? Was it detaching prior to that and he could see it? Like, was there a lead up to it where it was detaching? What does that mean that it just fell off one day? There had to be some transitionary period where, like, it was detaching or something.
0: Yeah, where it was like, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that means that the It wouldn't just go from skin...
1: fully on to just off without any kind of transition
0: i mean it could if if the skin was dying if it was just kind of basically calcifying and turning into just a hunk and then you know if his urethra is dying and every time he uses the restroom it like basically starts removing pieces of himself and then one day he just takes off his pants and the, the friction of just pulling your pants
1: down in order to Oh, God, this is horrifying what you're saying to me right now. It's fucking insane, man. I hate everything that you're saying. It's insane, isn't it? Yes.
0: When I read this article about him, I was just like, I didn't know that I had this fear, and now I have this fear of like every time I cut my hand now and I get a little like infection in a finger or something, I'm just gonna be like, Oh God, this is how it starts.
1: It reminds me of the anxiety that I got from that Lily Tomlin movie, the incredible shrinking woman that I watched when I was a kid, because at first it's, you know, this high concept of like this mom just starts shrinking one day and there's a media circus that builds around it. But then, you know, towards, you know, the third act of the film up to that point, it's a comedy and it's sort of her coping with this thing. And, reacting to the media attention and trying to adapt her life and dealing with her kids and her husband as she shrinks or whatever. But then in the third act, she starts to kind of realize that it doesn't seem like the shrinking is going to stop. It becomes that tense inevitability of like plotting it out to its logical conclusion. She's just going to shrink until she disappears from existence. And then from that point on, at least for me, when I watched this movie as a kid, it filled me with incredible anxiety. And there is a moment in the end where she does wink out of existence. And I thought it I, I found it devastating and incredibly depressing the end of that movie because it, it's this exact same thing. It's it's a it's an it's an absurd high concept version of it of just like you can't this thing just starts happening to you and you can't control it. And then it just it's just going to no matter how you try to rationalize it or whatever you just know in the back of your mind that there's a termination point and it's going to get there you can't stop it it's just inevitable
0: so the question is what do you do when your penis literally turns black and falls off your body do you keep it in the freezer do you rush to the hospital no not if you're malcolm mcdonald you just chuck it in the bin as he says
1: H- how did you feel when your pe- penis fell off I'm not having sex anymore You know? I've got two, two children anyway, so.
0: Needless to say, at the time, he was despondent, overwhelmed with shame and insecurity. He had to pee sitting down, which doesn't seem like that big a deal, but for him, it was a daily reminder that his body had betrayed him. From here, his life took a downward spiral. He became a recluse, refusing to leave the house. His friendships dwindled. He ostensibly refused to have contact with anyone who wasn't his children. He was offered a medical procedure, where the end result was going to be the remaining penile flesh would be wrapped up and solidified, so he could at least have a nub that he'd be able to utilize to pee standing up. He refused, thinking this half measure was idiotic and more insulting than his current situation. Cue up a long montage of our boy Malky Macmac going on long walks on the beach by himself, wistfully staring at sunsets by himself, and standing on street corners working as a Quiznos sign flipper. But when you pull out, the sign just says... I have no penis.
1: All by myself, don't wanna be all by myself without my dick. You're gonna
0: run for public office someday, and that's gonna be used against you.
1: And I'm, gonna and I'm gonna win gonna in a landslide. <laughs> that's gonna be my campaign song. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk out to that.
0: Yeah, and then smash to black and fade in an unspecified time later. Big Mac Daddy was put in contact with David Ralph, a urologist at University College in London Hospital who specializes in penile reconstruction surgery. How does one become a specialist in penile reconstruction? Is that something that you
1: just always interested in or do you kind of fall into it? That's what I thought about. uh, (laughs) This is going to kind of take a weird left turn or maybe not. Maybe it's related but whenever jj the fourth was born he was circumcised at the hospital but due to a variety of circumstances that just aren't interesting to go into uh phoenix wk was not able to be circumcised at the hospital so we had to take him to a circumcision specialist and it's just a guy who has a private practice where he just circumcises Young boys, and I've just—I was just like mystified by that. It's like, how do you, like, how do you get into this specific racket? How does your career go in this direction, where you exclusively give circumcisions? And it's not a a religious thing; it's a—it's a company and a private practice for a doctor.
0: What was that like? Did you how? Tell me everything. This is so bizarre.
1: Yeah, it's. (laughs) I don't even want to say the name of it because I don't want to insinuate that there's some weird ulterior motive to why somebody would want to give circumcisions like he's a doctor he's clearly identified this is like a just a niche that he can fill to turn a profit and I don't even want to name the place because I don't want somebody to hear this and then think it's weird and then like do anything yelp and, yelp bomb them yeah or I, don't, I don't even want to go in that direction but the name of the place is funny that's all I'll say I'll well, tell you all
0: tell it to me I'll can you tell-, tell it to me
1: I am gonna go to limb and, and I'm gonna guess some possible names. I'm gonna go cheap cuts. I wish it, this is why this is why I don't want to easy s- easy cuts. I wish it was something clever like that or cheesy like that. It's called.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've just told Dave the name of the of the place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so creepy sounding i know what is
1: i know it is
0: <laughs> it's so creepy
1: i found that it was very surreal that this doctor does this thing specifically and he's built a business around it he like is that something where he's like he's the the dude who like performs circumcisions at the hospital and then he's like i got so many clients i could go out on my own and like what What?" i think it probably was like that uh that's probably exactly what happened because otherwise how do you how do you get into this other than like you do it a lot you're good at it and then you kind of realize that you could sort of just corner the market and make a lot of money from it well
0: whatever his decision making process was he should have consulted someone about that branding because that name
1: (laughs) sucks it's
0: real weird It's, you know, sometimes I forget how different our lives are. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think of us as, like, you know, equals. And, like, we're on the same wavelength. And we agree on, like, everything almost. And, you know, we have a shared sense of humor. And we're from a very similar background. And we're around the same age. And we have all of these wonderful commonalities and some key differences, which make the, uh, that's the spice of life, right? We, We bond. We have interesting discussions. Um... Ironically, on this podcast, I don't think we've ever disagreed, but in real life, we disagree and we have heated debates, which never turn into weird arguments. They're always counterpoint, point, you know, interesting kind of tete-a-tetes. And then that that story you just told me makes me feel like you're a goddamn
1: alien and I don't <laughs> know you. I I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think that I don't think that's a wrong instinct to have because i don't even i don't even think it's like normalized to me like i said before that was a very strange thing to do that was a very surreal experience
0: dr ralph pitched mac and me a crazy idea like a really crazy idea something that had been completely untested but that had a very high likelihood of working mac and cheese liked what he heard but there was one issue it was going to be expensive Very expensive. But that wasn't going to stop our dude McAdoshis. He started applying for grants and government assistances. And he got one. Probably because who in their right mind was going to say no to this shit? He received a $50,000 grant from MAF to get an experimental procedure done. From there, things went into overdrive.
1: It's like the opposite of the MacArthur Genius Grant. As opposed to, we regard your work as so important that you need this money to continue filling our world with your mind this is like the opposite of that it's like I'm so sorry man like just have this money please I, f- I feel so bad I don't need this I don't need this $50,000 just take it please Dr. Ralph and his team
0: partially removed skin blood vessels and nerves from McDonald's left arm and shaped them into a replacement penis do you want to describe this uh, this beautiful diagram that I found on the internet, Andrew?
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a generic diagram, like a CGI rendering or maybe just a 2D digital drawing of a man, like a naked man, and he doesn't have a penis. And then it's showing that there's basically like a part of his arm or there's skin that's taken off for a, a graft. And then it has like a little drawing of what is done with the skin. It's like showing that it's being like sort of rolled up, um, this little section of skin that they take off the arm. And then it's showing the end result, which in this drawing is like a perfectly shaped penis. I I really doubt that it actually looks like this, but just a perfectly have you have you, have you have you seen what it looks like no oh, oh let me existed. while you're talking
0: i'm gonna find an, an image of what it actually looks like and then hold it until you're ready to see it because it it's pretty weird no i won't say anything just keep going
1: it's a, it's it, the diagram is kind of hilarious I, I feel like i'm underselling it by just kind of describing it but it's 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 almost it's hilarious in how like kind of pointless it is it's almost like it's like it's like something from the office it's like literally like a diagram that Michael Scott would draw because it's like a picture of a, a, the dude without a penis and then a little, sh- just like a little diagram showing the skin being folded and turned into a penis. And then next to that is the same dude, but then he just has the penis. And it's like, it's like, it's like, did that, did this diagram need to be drawn? Like, did we need to see this in order to understand what was going on? Um, and then, and then like at the bottom, it just shows. Another drawing or a diagram of just his outstretched arm and then just the penis hanging off of it. It's really, it's, it's,
0: it's pretty, it's it's, pretty striking. It's It's visually
1: hilarious to look at.
0: It's interesting because it is a penis and it's sculpted to look like one, but also it looks like, it's like a Play-Doh penis.
1: What kind of dark knit? bullshit did you get into to see it (laughs) i know right i i don't know where i found it the urethra
0: was constructed by surgery and two tubes and a pump were inserted which would allow his penis to mechanically achieve erections so the question is is this pump like an old school nike air jordan thing where you know you had the little air pump on the tongue of the shoes where you just pump it over and over again and then all of a sudden his dick works it's a good question and now Andrew
1: is going to explain that to you how doctors made his bionic penis. So there's another there's a CGI rendering of a nude body with you know a Kendall crotch no penis. Um there's like a little dotted line on his leg and then Yeah, uh, where they I think they took muscles from his leg. Okay, and then uh, and then like a little patch of skin that's got a dotted outline on his forearm. Uh it says uh diagram 1 Experts take a vein from Malcolm's body, then wrap skin grafted from his arm around it in a penis shape and attach it to his arm. Um, In Diagram 2, it's a CGI drawing or whatever, a CAD drawing of an outstretched arm, and then a little drawing of a penis hanging off of it. Um, And then it uh, says, The constructed penis is then detached from the forearm. This is the stage Malcolm has reached. Diagram three is a picture. Once again, just there's something comedic about just illustrating this, considering how obvious it is that this would be how it goes. Like it just doesn't feel like there would need to be a drawing of this. Diagram three is just a picture of the same body, but that it just has the penis over the blank Kendall crotch. And it says the penis is then attached to the body with a urethra, allowing him to urinate. And then uh, diagram four it's a drawing of the uh, flaccid penis and it's like a bisected or like a translucent drawing of his crotch where you can see into it so there's the the penis and then it's got like a little blue worm shaped thing in it which i'm assuming is the vein or the muscle or whatever the sort of basis of the construction is and then it's attached to two wires or tubes that are going down into a little device that seems to have, they're basically going to be be putting it into his scrotum. And it's a little box with a little ball on it. And then that has a tube coming out of it that goes up above the penis into sort of his stomach or his abdomen. That's like a little ball that I'm assuming is like a little squeezable, like rubber reservoir or something. Next to that, it's the same drawing, but the penis is erect. And it's showing that, The little ball that I was talking about at the top, it's a saline reservoir, so it fills with saline solution, and um, I guess it pumps it down into that little box at the bottom that's inside of the scrotum, and then that pumps it into the muscle system or whatever to make it erect. (laughs) And It says, it says, uh, it is fitted with a tube or a penile implant, so it can be inflated into an erection with a hand pump. The penile implant is made up of a saline reservoir, which can be pumped in and out to make it erect and flaccid via a pump in the scrotum. Oh, so you squeeze your scrotum. To deflate, right? Or is it... I think it's probably like both.
0: Mm, fucking science is
1: trippy, man. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's two things going on. One of them is just the recoiling and horror emotion of just like you know what we were talking about before just the body horror of it and then the other emotion of it is the sort of humor of it of just like the inherent we're talking about dicks and like you know maybe 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 we're immature but there's something kind of inherently absurd and funny about talking about this thing even if we are acknowledging you know how horrified we'd be and having sympathy for him like there's just there's just a there's a comedy to it that you cannot deny but then there's a third thing which is like just staring at this and just being in awe of just the transhumanism that it's implied by this, that we are drifting further and further into these upper echelons of technology and ingenuity and human consciousness, all just like building and coalescing to this ethereal plane where anything is possible and we can modify our bodies in any way that we want and we can do whatever we want. And the lines of, what it means to be a human are starting to be blurred. I think we're going to have a lot of discussion
0: about that at the end because that's like this whole thing is just the voyeurism around it and the transhuman aspect of it are two things that are equally troubling and exciting to me. They then take this penis and fix it to Mac Attack's arm where it grows like a fucked up chia pet that one day you'll have sex with someone with. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did it. (laughs) Yay, I broke Andrew. Yay. Usually it's the other way around. I'm excited. That's right. Malcolm McDee's dick is just growing off of his arm. And it's approximately eight inches long. Originally, it was going to be six. But our boy, Mac Daddy, opted to pay an additional fee to have two more inches added. Which is completely fucking understandable. If I went through this shit, I'd be like, fuck it. How much to make this bitch a foot long? I want that subway dick. $5 foot dong, motherfuckers.
1: I mean, that goes into the transhumanism thing, like coalescing with commerce and pop culture and all these things kind of mixing together to create this weird cornucopia of like, like you can't tell if it's dystopian or utopian. Just like, if you have enough money, you can make your dick as big as you want. It's almost almost Verhoeven-esque.
0: Yeah, those are the three options dystopia utopia fucking paul verhoven yep it's more like dystopian utopian paul verhoven's toupee yes the course of events basically went that they grafted the penis to his arm and it grew there then eventually they would surgically sculpt it away from his arm leaving it connected only at the base so basically like for a time period i think it was growing almost like the length of his arm like almost like it was like attached and then they like, soldered it away from his arms. It was just the base, which is... I don't know why that makes it so much weirder to me, but it's just even weirder that it was, like, nestled in his arm flesh. I don't know why that's so strange to me, but it really just makes it weirder. Well, it's, like, H.R. Giger-esque. Just like this... Yeah, it's, like, coming out of him as opposed to just being attached to him, yeah. All was going according to plan. Sooner rather than later, DJ Mickey D would have a new penis. The year's worth of work was finally paying off. In 2018 plan was to detach the penis from his arm and graft it to his groin. However, that didn't happen. First, McDonald fell ill. Then the medical staff at his chosen hospital was insufficient. And then coronavirus. McDonald has just had this appendage on his arm for four years. That's right, four years. In 2019, Malcolm's story was picked up and publicized. The freak show was back in town, so to speak. Except this town was the global internet. The stark truth of the matter is, though, that the awareness that's been brought by these exposes is shockingly similar. Very few people actually reach out to the man and attempt to interview him, ourselves included. No one is lobbying to actually get him the medical attention he deserves. It's just the same copy and paste article that hits the same broad strokes that this episode of Deep Cuts hit. He's a dude. He got infected. His dick fell off. Weird undertone of how wouldn't you kill yourself if this happened to you while purporting to actually be a human interest story and now he has a dick on his arm. Weird undertone of just why the fuck doesn't this guy throw in the towel? And then a closing bit about how he's gonna eventually have it transferred to his groin at some point. There's dozens of these articles and a few videos that pop up across the web. None of them from particularly reputable, high-profile sites, but you know, that's kind of understandable as well. But still, this dude needs help, and we're just all content at marveling at his medical oddity, but he's the one who has to live with it every day. At least with the Discovery Health Channel Sawbones Extraordinaire shows, something got accomplished by the collective gawking. At least someone got helped, even if their assistance came at the price of their dignity.
1: Which is also just, it's at least there was a result, but like at this weird cultural price of like, yeah, we'll give you what, what you need, but first you must walk through this gauntlet of shame.
0: And it still happens. It's just different. It's just molded into this now, where there's like weird YouTube ecosystems of people making these kind of like, check out this freak of the week but trying to frame it as this progressive strength of the human spirit.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of YouTube channels that in the in the vein of this, it's a real gray area where I don't fully know. We talk about this a lot in the Chris Hansen episodes as well, this line between like advocacy and exploitation. I don't know exactly how I feel about these channels whenever I see them. It's it gives me that sort of uncertain feeling of how I kind of land on my opinion of them, but there's a lot of channels where these people have YouTube channels where they interview people with mental disabilities, psychological conditions, and I've actually talked about them on a previous episode, the Amish and Rikyo episode, I think? I forget. But I, I talked about one of these channels and one of these videos. But they'll sit down and they'll, like, this, you know, there's a couple of them. There's a couple different people that do this and it'll be, like, a person who is like, today I'm sitting down and interviewing this person who is a high-functioning sociopath or this person who has autism or this person who has, uh, you know, down syndrome or any combination of mental or psychological conditions. And, you know, the idea is that they're trying to give the world their perspective on life and humanize them and show that these perceptions of these conditions that we glean from movies and hearsay are not accurate and that these people are just human beings that, Interpret the world differently and to varying degrees they they function in different ways and basically they're just people but then you also are like yeah but then they're just they have these YouTube channels and they're just they make these videos inherently to get views on their channels and grow their audiences and make money and. You know, it's like it's hard to wrap your mind around like what they're doing and what the ethical truth of it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's I think the main issue for me in those spaces is that there's so little oversight and so little there's there's little there's very little oversight in that it's kind of just like exercise your best judgment, but also the way that social media algorithms thumbnail best practices. And just general human emotional needs operate is that they make people appeal to our base and worst desires so because of that you almost in some ways you would think it would be course you know self correcting or course correcting naturally because the empathy that a human being to human being would have would remove a large percentage of the exploitation from these types of interactions but in some ways, it's actually the opposite where the digital world functions in a way that necessitates extreme viewpoints or bizarre outsider kind of aspects being held up and kind of pointed at by everybody, if that makes any sense of like there's kind of the the way the, the digital world works now is there, there are no checks and balances for anything, which is why you get all of these. Issues surrounding the truth of the world and what's actually happening and people believing People who are openly lying But the When when referred to in this function it's It's because nothing has any staying power nothing has any real meaning Like oh this video of a guy with a dick on his arm got 47 million views That's crazy Moving on I've got some cat videos to watch Like everything is so disposable, everything is so just immediately consumed and left behind that there's no emotional gravitas or weight, even when people are in need, which is kind of why you have the rise of things like kickstarting your medical bills because you're you're trying to figure out a way of taking you know like a GoFundMe page and attaching it to like a barnacle to one of these stories and being like, hey, I'm homeless. This story is going to get a bazillion views all around the world. Please will 1% of these people each give me a fucking penny so I cannot be homeless. You know, like that is such a dystopian verhoven thing of like you're not even relying on the goodwill of strangers, you're relying on a mathematical equation of 1% of the strangers on the internet will help you.
1: Yeah. And then you have you, know, you have you have these situations where these like social media moments, these viral social media moments will happen where it's like, you know, the the homeless man with a golden voice who you we stop him, there's this viral video where we record him and he sings and his his voice is not only amazing, but it's also singularly unique and has this like ethereal quality to it that like just it just has some X factor to it that you can't define. And based off of that, then there's a second wave of this viral moment where he gets a job like doing voiceover for Kraft Mac and Cheese. And and then, you know, you move on from it. And you're like, oh, man, I just I, I'm glad that that happened. I'm glad that 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 man, that homeless man with that beautiful voice is got this job and now his life is going to be all great and everything's going to be great move, moving on and then you, you everyone moves away from it and nobody nobody looks back to see that like in actuality he relapsed back into homelessness and I, I think I think he like had some issues with the drugs and he was like he like fell off the wagon and got back into doing some kind of drugs There's, I forget the exact details of the story but there was basically this like dark backslide or coda to that where everything that was kind of encapsulated in that feel good viral story just kind of didn't stick. And then, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of different versions of another type of viral moment where there's like a homeless person and somebody gives them a house and it's like, oh, this homeless person gets a house. And then nobody stops to look back and see that the code of that is that it's actually kind of weird and not the right thing to do to just give somebody a house because they have to pay property tax. And it's actually kind of more trouble than it's worth to just gift somebody a house sight unseen. And all of these stories that happen actually kind of like made those people's lives worse and they remained homeless and were in debt and all these things. And then, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying before with digital packaging and thumbnails and the way that, The algorithms disseminate content, there's almost like this weird doublespeak to content distribution where certain types of content purportedly have some quality to them. Like for instance, videos where you're sitting and interviewing people with psychological disabilities or or psychological conditions, and the way that they're presented is we're illuminating and humanizing the people that have these conditions or, you know, like just plucking a random example out of thin air uh, of something I've sort of experienced in the past and observed, you know, a lot of these social media posts about like the free the nipple campaign where it's presented as this presentation of this feminist movement and ostensibly These pieces of content are put out there as in favor of the third wave feminism message in these movements and in allyship of those things. But then in reality, you know, the way that those pieces of content are disseminated on social media and the way that they go viral is literally because the thumbnail will oftentimes have naked women on it. And the, the thumbnails are designed psychologically to appeal to what you said before are sort of base human instincts. So the content is one thing, but then the way that they get you to see the content and stop and look at it and the way that it goes viral is for a completely opposite contradictory almost counterintuitive or debasing reason and it's just an unspoken thing. The reason why people stop and watch those videos of him, you know, interviewing these people with these conditions is because of this salacious clickbaity promise of getting to hear a sociopath talk about their thought process. It's really interesting and scary in some ways and I guess disheartening that the the dichotomy between what that content is supposed to be in essence and then the way that it's packaged and how those two things are oftentimes like unspokenly, completely disparate. And
0: also how, unfortunately, the negative side of that, whatever the negative side is, always wins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just sucks. Like, the the good guys never win on the internet. It just doesn't happen. Now we live in a world where you get stripped mind of your dignity for retweets and likes. That's the darkest thing I can think of. You know, aside from my dick falling off from a septic infection. So, in a closing thought, what will happen to our dude Mac Miller? What's next for him? Who's to say? But... If he doesn't end up having his penis transferred, I hope he gets into porn and performs as Dick
1: Arms, or something. Hundred percent. If he wanted to be rich overnight, he could do that right now.
0: Have you heard about the, the this dude, um, double dick dude? Do you know Do you know about this story?
1: No, I do. I do know that uh, similar to this a little bit. Uh, Lorena Bobbitt's husband like went into porn as like I got my dick reattached after getting it cut off. And now I fuck with
0: it. I had no idea he went into porn. That's a, that's an episode right there. Fuck yeah. Um, so Double Dick Dude is a guy who is anonymous. Uh, he's an anonymous Reddit user who uses the handle Double Dick Dude. And he's a man who was born with a condition called, I believe it's called dyphalia, where you have two penises. And they're not always functional. Sometimes it's like an actual penis and... A vestigial one sometimes it's two normal looking penises but your urethra doesn't work correctly Um, and so there's there's a lot of health complications around the um, the specific uh, birth augmentation and uh, his shtick well it's not a shtick that's dismissive his he is a man who has two penises and has answered done multiple reddit amas about them and has posted photos and uh i think he's actually self-published two autobiographies about his life and what it has
1: been like living as a bisexual man with two penises and i think i think what you can say to not be as dismissive is not his shtick his zadar
0: (laughs) yes his zadar uh is that he has made a a what society would deem as um a abnormality into a positive to hopefully uh spark conversation and uh nurture understanding uh for people of different walks of life and um he's very interesting to me um in that he writes these self-published autobiographies about like what it's like having two dicks and he like it's, I don't know, I, there's just something about, if we're going to do an episode about dudes with weird dicks, I feel like now of any time is the time to talk about this guy. Um, but I think both of these characters, Malcolm McDonald and Double Dick Dude, uh, which I hate saying out loud, because uh, it's just so ridiculous sounding, um, they they both have exactly what we were talking about earlier, of this kind of transhumanist, kind of bizarre circus of media attention around them. And luckily for Double Dick Dude, it's not a negative way. It's more kind of like cultural curiosity of just like, oh, how does that work? What does that mean? Wow, are are they both functional? You know, that, whoa, interesting. You have a piece of anatomy that's very rare. That's, you know, quite um, alluring to people. They want to know more about it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, Reddit can be, I've just you know a, a, a dumpster a, a dumpster fire in terms of toxicity and people being bullied and, and all this negativity but you, you know you can craft if you do it the right way you can craft a very specific community within a subreddit that is like just completely positive and somehow a weird oasis of like positivity and support within this bigger mechanism that can be very disgusting and toxic. Um, I've seen it before, certain subreddits that just somehow were able to insulate themselves from that. And, you know, I, I love to see that whatever the thing is about, I love to see those little pockets where it's like, oh, man, they just they carved out like a an actually positive, nice community here somehow.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, everybody has a body. Everybody has things they don't like about their body. Everybody has health issues. Um, some small, some minor, some some significant, some potentially life threatening, and the empathy surrounding discourse for body shapes and body sizes and how we relate to our own bodies and other people's bodies is nine times out of ten very very charged, and it's usually pretty negative. Like there's this, it's pretty negative all the time, um, and it's fascinating to me that we're quickly moving into a world where that is going to be rapidly changing and i'm not making any predictions of like everybody's going to have arms dick arms or anything i'm not saying that i'm just saying like the world will be different in 50 years than it is right now fuck in 30 years it'll be very very different and this transhumanism this you know the the guy in was it china who literally had a head transplant like I don't know if that's gone through though. I think he's just attempting to do
1: that. Yeah. Or the the uh the scientist that has a uh, MLS, I think, one one of these terminal body um decay diseases, um who just is spending millions of dollars to just turn himself into a robot, basically.
0: Yeah, and you know it's it's fascinating to see how quickly those things are advancing. Like I remember. In like 2010, I think it was when smart homes first started becoming readily available. There was a like a you know a, a body hacktivist type person who installed like basic computer chipware on their hands, and they could like wave their hand and the shutters would open, or the shutters was closed, or they would raise their hand and the garage door would open, like just basic stuff like that. And I remember you know after college or. Beginning of college, when it, whatever the year was in the two thousands that happened, and I was just like, "Whoa, this is so wild!" And also, I I would never do this because technology just outpaces itself so quickly.
1: Yeah, one day you're turning, one day you're opening blinds in your house, and the next day you've you've got uh, some QAnon person like hacking your body and forcing you to do something weird that they can get on camera to frame you.
0: Yeah. And and the, the 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 exceedingly bizarre aspect of that is that it's not that's not science fiction. That will happen in if if it's not already happening currently, it will happen in the next five years. Like the way the way drones are operating right now, there's it's a matter of time until someone tries to put their fucking brain in a drone dog. Like it's just it'll it, there is someone right now who is sexually obsessed with those drone dogs and wants to fuck one. Like that just that's the world we live in right now, um, and. I don't necessarily have a good closing point for this episode uh, other than the human body is a bizarre concoction. It kind of
1: sucks having one and it's also kind of cool to have one. So yeah, it's interesting how we've uh, through through time and societal and technological evolution, our minds have far evolved past our bodies. Our bodies are like very antiquated to where our minds and our collective consciousness have has has gone to. I mean, I know that our actual bodies are you know still evolving, and like evolution hasn't just stopped in our physical forms. But I I feel like there's almost like a separate evolution that's probably more rapid than our natural physical body evolution. My thought on it has always been that. At a certain point, our minds stopped evolving with our bodies and they started evolving with the technology that we were developing to interact with. As we continue to advance this technology and create these devices and these things that we interact with and you know, that make our lives more and more science fiction-y feeling every day. Our bodies are this weird reminder of this pre-technological state. Like no matter how much we evolve our technology, we're still stuck in our primitive human bodies. We're still animals. Like no matter what we do, no matter, you know, whether we climb into a Tesla that the door opens by itself when we walk towards it because we have the key in our pocket and then it drives itself and, it's got this little fancy interface and you can speak to it and start music and all these things. And no, no matter what we do there, we're still just animals and we can't really naturally change that. And it, 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 it's interesting that our minds have psychologically we've evolved so far away from that and yet always have to be reminded that they're still encased in these biological static physical forms static to a degree because there is evolution but that evolution is very protracted to the, the point where in your lifetime you would never observe it and yeah to this whole point the next step of that is to break those boundaries and this transhuman either utopia or dystopia where we are no longer confined by that physical form and that antiquated body and you know i can't even fathom where that's going to go or how that's going to materialize i'm dave baker and i'm andrew price this has been deep cuts you can find me on
0: the internet at heydavebaker.com, where you can find my comics fuck off squad and action hospital andrew where can people find you
1: on the internet you can find me shedding my primitive physical form and uploading my consciousness to the neural net so that i can become the 2020 version of the lawnmower man so i can finally kill pierce brosnan like i've always wanted to and you can also find me at dapricerights.com, where you can get my book that actually kind of talks about a lot of the things i just said deadbolt ai private eye